0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Once again, we want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you at our McKinney campus, those of you watching online, those of you in our video service, and at 11, those of you in our Spanish translation service. Will you join me in welcoming all these environments? So great. So great to have all of you with us as we finish up our Let's Talk Family series. As you could tell, the format's a little different. A few years ago, our team came to Pastor Jeff and Brandy and said, we have this idea. We wanna do, in our family series, we wanna ask you guys some questions and you're like, okay, we'll try it maybe once. And uh, you were gracious enough to do it and we found out that the people loved it. It's become one of our most downloaded and watched services every year. So thank you guys again for being willing to do this with us. Well, we're glad to do it. If one
1: person or one family gets any amount of help, then uh, we're willing to put ourselves out there and try to be transparent about what we're walking through so that all of you can get help. And I wanna, honor my beautiful wife who awesome. just gets better and better. She is celebrating this weekend her twenty fifth birthday. Yeah. Again. <laughs> Again. yeah. And she's looking really hot in those yeah. new glasses. In for those Fuego that are... for those in the Spanish translation, she's in Fuego. <laughs> yeah. okay. New
2: glasses for those who are over twenty five that have to progressive lenses, yes
1: but happy birthday and it's yes. such an honor
0: to have you with me here. Yes, well what we do is we get, many of you sent in questions, many of it are McKinney Campus, email, Facebook, Instagram. We took all those questions and we try to come up with the ones that we felt would help the most people, so I figured let's just jump right into it and see if we can't help some people. Here, the first one for you, Pastor Jeff. Beyond the basics of chemistry, a healthy relationship during the dating process, and sharing the same values, how do I know if I should marry someone? This is a common question,
1: we get it a lot. Uh, People asking the question about when you're in the season of dating and how do I know if it's the right person? Am I following God's will Uh, in regards to that decision? Those of us that are parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, mentors, coaches, then we're helping people with this decision, and so it's important to get a little help along the way, and it's a common one that I'm asked personally a a lot. How do I know if it's the right person? Um, I think it's interesting, the person putting the question, I think it was a young lady, lady, used the word chemistry, and uh, that's kind of a cultural idea that there is this sort of magical you know, soulmate kind of, we have chemistry, and, uh, you know, if it's the right person, there's, there's a lot of chemistry, mm-hmm. but chemistry won't cut it in the long term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You better have a plan. Mm-hmm. And I want to take us back to where we started this series by making sure. I've been really amazed at the amount of young people who say, well, I'm just going to get married and the chemistry and, you know, there's fireworks and it's all going to work out. Well, you would never build a house without a set of drawings. Yeah. You never go on a vacation with no directions and say, we're just gonna kinda hope we end up there. So we started this series by talking about the biblical picture. Now, I know a lot of people don't want the biblical picture, but if you are are looking for God's insight on marriage, if you wanna have a marriage that he is the one uh, architecting that marriage and you wanna stand at an altar and say, before God, we make these vows to one another, then um, I would highly recommend it because he is the one who came up with the whole concept. He's the designer of it. Uh, But if you want the biblical picture, I, at the very first of the series, Let's Talk Family, we've been having lots of discussions and inviting different people. But I started the series by saying, uh, if we wanna know the biblical picture, then we could go to Ephesians 5. There's a lot of places we could go. But in Ephesians 5, the apostle Paul leans on Genesis 2, and that's where the very beginning of all this starts, where marriage comes from. Then he leads on Jesus in Matthew 19, and he says, follow God's example. If we have anything to offer to you, it's not because we're perfect. It's not because we haven't had challenges, ups and downs, arguments. Yes, we've had arguments. Most of the time they were my fault, okay? Uh, But really, what we have to offer to you is we started out saying, We wanna do it God's way. And that's carried us in a lot of different seasons. I got a Bible, I I have a reading chair in my room and I read and I study and Brandy and I this week working together on this little (laughs) thing. I I usually work alone, by the way, but uh, talk about needing chemistry, why don't you try preaching together, okay? So she's like, you can't say that. I
2: was like, I did not say say it like that.
1: She said it nicer, but, In my know.
2: head like that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but we were talking this week, I was actually the Bible I still read out of when we were engaged. She gave, gave me as an engagement present a Bible that I still read from today. And in the front cover, she wrote a note and said, what I admire most about you is your love for Jesus. See, we were seeking Jesus before we were seeking each other. Right. That's good. And so we were seeking Jesus. She said, I admire that. And right. she said, if we'll build our home, on the truths of this word right here, God's gonna bless it. So we started out with that pattern and picture. Paul says here, follow God's example. Verse 31, he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. There's a covenantal relationship we're looking for here. We're looking for covenant more than chemistry. Mm -hmm. Covenant is not based on my protection of my rights. We're talking about a relationship that's ordained by God where he supernaturally makes us one. Look at what it says here. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, he says this, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. And so the Bible gives us that picture. I would encourage you if you are looking to enter into this relationship, to get that plan and picture in front of you. Put that plan and picture in front of you. And I wouldn't encourage you to do missionary dating or to just hope it works out. I would look for someone who shares your values and shares what you wanna build on. And uh, if you go to any therapist or pastor, they'll say marriages break down and here's a couple of leading presenting issues. Sex and money. They'll say, man, they're fighting about these kind of things, okay? But the truth is, those are just the presenting issue. There's usually a deeper value system that they didn't start out with regarding the things they care about. That's what happens. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Yeah. A lot of people have kind of kicked back at that in 2 Corinthians and said, well, Paul's talking about any kind of relationship and they were worshiping idols. And so, but, but no, the principle is, is, is that you don't wanna be yoked in an important Uh, something that's really important to you with someone who doesn't share your same values about it. Mm -hmm. Unequally yoked is an agricultural term where there's two oxen and they're plowing and maybe one is they're not able to get in the yoke together. And so if you wanna spend the rest of your life fighting and competing and not able to plow together, then start off without the same values. We wanna help you get started right, okay? And so I would say, this was a young lady, Mm -hmm. look for a guy who's building according to that picture, and you see the evidence of it in his life. Right. I like to tell, tell young people today, don't look for somebody who's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. <laughs> look for somebody who's godly. Right. Look for somebody who's living what they say. They're actually walking it out. If sex and money's a big problem, then guess what? You wanna find a guy who's walking out God's pattern to sexuality now. I have a lot of young people around my house. I have one graduating high school. I have a junior, I have a lot of teenagers around my house. Here's one thing I find fascinating by young people. They think that somehow by getting a dress and walking down in front of a preacher that when you get married, your sexual temptations stop. No, 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 no. You're living out right now the values you have regarding sexuality and then you'll have to continue to live those values. You better make sure that if you want someone who's gonna live those values with you now, they're living them, or in the future, they're living them now. If money's a problem, well, you better find someone who's tithing today, who's honoring God with their money today. If they're afraid to honor God with their money today and you're dating, what makes you think they're gonna somehow flip a switch one day and all of a sudden begin to to start honoring God and not be scared to obey his word? We could go down any issue. You better get alignment. And that's, that's why we provide pre-marriage counseling. Right. Brandy yeah. and I have helped a lot of young couples. Really, the goal of pre-marriage counseling is not to give you the technique all the time. It's really to make sure you share the same value grid and you have the same picture. That's the goal along the way.
2: Because, in essence, you play like you practice. Right. So, what I mean by that, you know, well, the practicing would be the dating. And if you're under 30 in here today and you're dating, it probably looks a little bit like this. Boy meets girl on dating app. Boy and girl go to dinner. Girl orders overpriced meal. Boy gets nervous. (laughs) Then boy goes to drop girl off. Girl invites him in. Boy and girl get real comfortable together. Next thing you know, boy moves in, girl moves in and they're setting up shop and playing house together right up until boy meets new girl or girl meets new boy and then they just start the whole process over again. And so we think, well, one day when I actually meet the one, I'll do it differently. Like somehow we're gonna flip that switch and all of a sudden we're gonna have this epiphany and everything's gonna change. But what I find is that generally we do what we know and what we're comfortable with. And so that's when I say we play like we practice, that's generally how it works out.
0: That's really helpful. I think this picture that you just gave us is a common cultural picture. And I love this idea that practice and play, we're not saying you're perfect, we're not saying that they don't make mistakes, but your picture of where you're trying to go really makes a huge, a huge difference. It's really the, the deciding factor. All right, Brandy, here's one for you. We talked about dating and the process leading up to getting married. Right. So now you're together and you're starting a family, you're a married couple, here's the question. We feel like things aren't working out, we feel like somebody else is doing it consistently better than we do, we are, how do we get healthy?
2: So I think there's two things in that that question that I'm hearing is first is that you do want to build a healthy culture in your home or a healthy environment and secondly you think that there's somebody out there that actually has it all together and is doing yeah. it all yeah first of all building a healthy culture and environment takes a lot of intentionality mm-hmm. and when you can start comparing yourself to everybody else and think that there's somebody else that, out there that has it all together let me just go ahead and help you out they don't mm-hmm. they don't something gives Right? We're really good at building facades to make it look like we have it all together, but something always gives. I was shopping the other day and I saw this T-shirt and it said, you are limitless. And I see all kinds of T-shirts that say all kinds of things all the time and it doesn't necessarily bother me, but that day it just hit me, I'm like, that's not true. I know my limitations, yet this is a pervasive cultural idea that we put out there to women specifically all the time. You're limitless, you can do it all. And I feel like it, it bothered me so much, I actually went home and, and did a little post about it on Instagram because I felt like as women we buy into this. So what that means is I already am overwhelmed, but I should be doing more. Right. Yeah. Because everybody says, oh no, you can do everything. You can, And maybe, but not all in the same season, right? Mm-hmm. right? So I just, I felt like, you know, we need to stop the lie that we're just limitless and we can do it all, because something does always give. And in order to, to build a, a healthy environment, you have to prioritize certain things in certain seasons. And one of those things is, um, number one, you gotta start by understanding what your limitations are. And you say, Brandy, I don't wanna be limited. I feel like that's, making me, you know, that's putting me in a box. But the beauty of knowing that you're limited is that you start becoming very dependent on an unlimited God, Mm -hmm. a God that's limitless. And it's actually when you understand your weakness and you depend on His strength in your life that you have the most strength. And not only do you have more strength, but you're glorifying God with your life because people know that you're limited. Yet when they see God doing supernatural things through you and in you, then He's glorified, which is our number one purpose on this earth to begin with, right? And then you say, okay, well, if if I'm I'm limited, so you know your capacity, but you start with just trying to build a peaceful environment in your home. What does that look like? That's gonna look a little bit different for everybody. Everybody's at different stages of their life and we're all busy and I understand. And um, you know, with us, we have four kids and, and we're busy, so you know, instead of, if I told you this, let's just say, if I told you, hey, you should, you know, in order to have a peaceful home environment, and this is what we hear all the time, you should sit around the table six nights a week and eat a meal together, right? And that sounds great, but you're like, you just dismiss me because you're knowing that that's not gonna happen with everybody's crazy schedule. And I have four that are involved in student government, in football, basketball, track, why <laughs> track? Track meets from the devil. Track meets are from the the all day long. Soccer. We love track coaches. We love, yeah. We love track coaches. Yeah. We love you. <laughs> I care about you. Um. Anyway, so I understand everybody's going a million different directions. But a lot of times, a meal in our home looks a lot like us standing around the island. Maybe I've thrown some food together. Maybe theoretically, I picked it up on the way home and Ooh. set it on the counter. But no matter what, we're standing around the island and we're, and we're talking, we're looking at each other in the face and we may be eating and say, hey, how was your day today? What was going on at school or whatever? But it's in those moments that you wanna have an environment that's, not, um, that's safe, that's peaceful. So that when you ask them those questions, you are ready to hear their answers. And they actually feel like they can be open and honest about what went on that day. And it's not a confrontational time, it's not like, you know, or I'm going to tell you about that, or you get all like, oh, you know, uh, time. It's a a time where they can actually be open and and honest with you. And so you're sitting there and they say something and your eyes don't bug out of your head. You're just listening. And so when you start creating those environments, you really kind of get a window into what's going on in their life and what's going on into their soul. And those are very important moments. And also creating an atmosphere of respect. So you want to create a peaceful environment, but you want to Uh, create an atmosphere of respect. A lot of moms, it's like what we want is we want love, but we also wanna be respected in our family. But back to that Ephesians five pattern, the best thing we can do is to respect our husband in those environments. So in our home, he's the most respected person in the home, at least as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to honor him. And as a mom, it's the best thing you can do is get your kids to respect your husband. You want them to listen to you and your husband's voices. But if we teach them to disrespect him, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. That's
0: true.
2: So he's never going to be the butt of the jokes.
1: Sometimes. Well, <laughs>
2: yeah. sometimes he just puts it out there on the table, and we can't leave it there. We got to we got to do something with it. So. Um, So there are moments, but in general, he's not the buffoon, the the babbling idiot that doesn't know anything in our family. He's dad and he's respected. And I may have an opinion on it, and I may tell the kids like, hey, this is what I think, but let's ask dad, what do you think? And we have those moments. So you create an atmosphere of respect, and then you have to create, and this is just what you have to do for yourself to be able to engage in those moments capacity in your life so that when these moments come up, when they're talking to you, you actually can handle it. I know growing up, my mom, I think we have Instapots that work like this now, I haven't tried it out, but my mom had a pressure cooker. So it was this big pot and it was always so fascinating to me because you could start seeing a little bit of steam coming out and this little knob was like and it was going back and forth and I'd always go over there to look at it my mom was like, back up. Because if if the lid pops off of that, that's gonna blow. The steam's gonna come, it's gonna burn you. And so many of us as women, as moms, we live to the brim because when we hear we're limitless, we think I'm gonna add more things to my calendar, I'm gonna do more, do more. Mm. And what happens is you're not limitless, so you're, you're getting to where you're up to here, you're drowning, right? And everybody knows there's so much boiling under the surface and if they do one thing, if they say one thing, they can't be honest because if they are, the lid's gonna pop, mom's gonna blow. everybody's gonna get burned.
1: We did a survey on Easter and asked you what you would like us to talk about. Thousands of people filled the survey out. Number one, handling stress. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Handling stress. So So what you're saying is to have that culture, you gotta build margin. You've gotta build
2: margin in your life.
1: To be intentional about it.
2: Yeah. And you'll also have to build a foundation. It's important that we build a foundation, a strong foundation, a biblical foundation, a foundation, as far as we're concerned, that's built on this whole Ephesians 5 principle principles on parenting your children that, you know, um, that when the winds, and when the rain comes that you're able to stand. Mm -hmm. You built on something that lasts because you say, well, I mean, if we love each other and we're doing everything right, then we don't have to worry about that. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say if they come, it's when they come. And if you have a teenager or you've been married for longer than two weeks, Mm -hmm. you know those storms are coming. And so how are you gonna make it through? How are you not gonna be demolished as a family when those storms come, when those winds blow? How are are y'all gonna stay in unity when that teenager's facing issues and you don't know what to do and you're kind of like, you know, um, just wavering inside? It's that you have a solid foundation to stand on. But again, all of that comes with creating capacity. So you say, well, how do I create more margin in my life? How do I create that capacity? And I'll say, you probably need, to, to give up some things, you know, and Ecclesiastes 4, it says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls, uh, handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Yeah. What does that mean? You'd do better to have less things and have peace and tranquility in your home than to be doing everything with a lot of toil and stuff going on and chasing after something that can't deliver yeah, that's right. on your family. So, sometimes that means you you, you say, well, Everything I'm doing is good and necessary. Like, I mean, I've looked at my life, I've looked at my calendar and they're all good things. Sometimes you have to reevaluate and you have to give up even good things. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you, I'll be transparent. Um, There was a season at the beginning of the year where we're doing our prayer and fasting and I started praying and fasting for the beginning of the year like we always do and I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me that I needed to be present, more present in this season of my family. I need to be more present at home and I'm in a season where I have one that's graduating and about to go up to college, and I have one that'll graduate next year, and one that's entering that junior high phase, and then I have a first grader, and the Lord just spoke to me, you're gonna have to take some things out to be more present. And I didn't know exactly how that was gonna look, but then I really felt like he started speaking to me, you're gonna have to give up this thing called flourish. And many of you know, if you've been in the church very long, I've been teaching a monthly Bible study here at the church for about, six years, and I've loved every moment of it. And when I when God told me that, I was like, oh, but no, that's a really good thing. It's a really fruitful thing. In the eyes of the world, in the church, I mean, we had hundreds of women, hundreds of women coming every month, 1,000, over 1,000 women watching online every month. There were pastor's wives all over the country that saw our model and wanted to do it, and I was helping them build flourishes in their church. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, I couldn't possibly give that up yet. He was stirring it in my heart that in this season, you're gonna have to let that go in order to be more present with your children. And that's hard, and honestly, it's a terrible strategy if you're trying to build your brand. (laughs) It really is. But you know what, I think in our life sometimes, especially with the rise of social media, y'all know this is true. We confuse significance with fame. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: We think, to be significant, I have to be known.
0: Mm -hmm. I
2: have to be known, I have to get my brand out there. You know, I hope that in my lifetime, I take tons of people with me to heaven. Mm -hmm. That everybody I meet and I get the opportunity, I never waste it and tell everybody I can about Jesus. And I hope that if I talk to you today or any other day, that you feel better for having had talked to me. That I make you feel like a 10 in some area and that I love you well. But let me just tell you something. The only people that I care about being famous with are the people in my home. Mm At the end of my days, that's what's gonna matter is that I tended that garden well that God entrusted me Mm. with. Mm. And so I encourage you today, we're building all this stuff, but let's build into what really, really matters. And it's making hard choices. And honestly, you say, Brandy, that sounds hard, but let me just tell you. building a a healthy environment and building good relationships and having the energy for those moments and for those times with your husband and your children looks a lot like laying your life down. Hmm. It looks a lot like staying up late and having those conversations with your kids it looks a lot like working through problems or things that you feel like you're at an impasse with and, and really talking through it and working through it and laying your own desires down and preferring other people. And, and that may not be glorious and that may not sound fun, but if you really wanna build a healthy culture in your life, it looks a lot like that.
0: It's really good. I know you were telling me yesterday, we were talking about this and you are saying this principle, this idea of serving and laying it down, you have to really come back to the picture in your home again, and you, you were sharing from Colossians 3, this, this Well, insight. this is what I
2: hear all the time is women say, but my husband's not a Christian. My husband, he doesn't even love God and he doesn't deserve, like, if I respect him, let me just tell you, you should, if it's, this, if it's the stepdad, the dad, whatever, you should respect him to your kids and show him that respect, not because he deserves it, but because you're a respectful person mm-hmm. under God. You don't do anything because anybody deserves it, it's because you are, that's who you are in Christ. But also, the Bible says whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward, because you're serving the Lord Christ. We're doing it for Jesus, y'all. For Jesus. It's
0: great. I mean that's that passage there that Colossians three is Paul's writing to a family, to a household. This is what husbands and fathers and so all of us can take that advice. It's radical, right? To go, we're not limitless. We got have we have to have boundaries. We have to say to say yes to this, I have to say no to that. What a powerful practical example. Thank it's you. It's funny so when much.
1: you're when you're teaching on this, you know, you have chances to live it throughout the week. Yes. And so uh, actually we'll give you a little window in our world. That <laughs> was speaking of the, the boiling pot. Uh, it was like 3.30 in the morning and my room felt like a boiling pot. And if there's one thing I hate, it's being hot. Oh, we know. I hate being hot.
2: Everybody in here that's doing this right now yes. knows. Yeah. We, we set yes. the
1: temperature for the audience of one, but anyway. Yeah. So. It was 3.30 in the morning and we have this thermostat that we're having issues, uh, you know, it's like, so it changes well, back and yes, forth. Yes, it does. But, but it was Thank hot. Thank you, you just said that. I, but it doesn't change from cold to hot. It only can change the temperature <laughs> level. So it's 3.30 in the morning, I'm burning up, I look at it, and so I'm, we, we had to make a choice just to get along. We but, did? But
2: <laughs> How did that go? No, what happened is he said, he said, why did you turn the heat up? I'm thinking, I didn't turn the heat up. I'm burning up hot, thought. I'm glad you're hot too. I'm thinking I'm going through menopause. I'm like, jeez, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sweating. I didn't mean for it to be this hot. And he's like, you turned it up. I'm like, no, baby, it's got this automatic setting thing. It keeps resetting. And he's like, no, it's not. You keep to, you are not allowed to touch this thing anymore.
1: <laughs> to which she's a wallflower, so she's. Right. There. Yeah. I'm like, where's the submission passage that i And I'm
2: over there like, "See me touch it." <laughs> those so are 3:30 anyway, moments. Anyway, we haven't even got
1: the day started. We're already having. After two I had my
2: coffee, it was way yeah. nicer.
1: It was a lot more nice, but anyway, I, we we're talking about it later. Yeah. How you respond? Mm-hmm. How intentional you are? How you handle what you're focused on and, and your capacity?
0: Affects the temperature of the environment of your house, and so that's so good. I think that's a real thing. It's encouraging to do to know that these principles, when you set the foundation right, when you have a clear picture, they'll even work at 3:30 in the morning. Yeah. Not perfectly, <laughs> but enough to stay yeah, on the we're same we're team. We're too tired to fight. We're yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> okay. Here's a question from our McKinney campus. We got it from Instagram, also from email. Um, it's a common question. Here, this is for you, Pastor Jeff. There are many blended families at Milestone. And as we continue to help and develop single moms, there will be more. How do we lead in a blended family? What principles remain the same and what principles become different? Yeah, thank you for that question from our McKinney
1: campus. And it's a common one. I have a heart for single moms, so we have a lot of blended families. Uh, in our church and really in our culture. So I know a lot of times you feel condemnation, you feel guilt, you feel failure, you feel like a second class citizen. And I wanna tell you, we don't want you to feel any of that. When we start painting the picture, that's really not the goal. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, However, We wanna keep painting the picture because we have a generation coming behind us in a culture that's not continuing to reinforce that picture. And we want them to know God's picture. And and, and so, Uh, The fact is God hates divorce. Mm -hmm. He says it in his word. And any of you that have been through it, you know why he hates it, Mm -hmm. because of all the complications. But he loves people who have been divorced and he's a redeeming God and he can help you get to what his plan is for you. So we get this question a lot, blended families, and and what do we do in regards to blended families? And he's talked Mm -hmm. about these principles well, well, the fact is your marriage and context and family relationships may change, but again, the principles don't change. The principles never change, so you wanna keep hanging on to that which is unchangeable, the principles. You mean, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. So there's an intangible blessing on any amount of unity that you can get. You're like, my ex, he doesn't do this, or she doesn't do this, or they don't have the same values find as much unifying common ground around God's principles as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because any amount of unity you have there will be a blessing to the entire atmosphere. And, uh, and so the truth is as well, when it comes to stepdad or stepmom or in the home, remember, we don't respect authority just because they're our biological parents. Though God says to honor your father and mother, the Bible says authority is delegated from God. So how you have your kids respect their stepfather or stepmother is really irrelevant to the biology of it. It's the principle of it. And so that helps them when they relate to coaches and that helps them when they relate to other authority figures in their lives. And so you keep circling around those values and those principles along the way. And, and you, you really, I, this is important for blended families because I know it's complicated. I know it's complex, it's difficult but let's think about it this way for a second. You're like, I have these values, and if you sent the question in, you're probably saying, okay, I have these biblical values, uh, or I have these these character values, and then at this house, they don't have those. Mm -hmm. Well, let's think about it practically for a minute. You're always training your children to live their values outside of your home.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: And, And so I know that's a harder place, but it's hard to live them at school. It's hard to live them when you go to college. It's hard, and so... Just keep equipping, keep making God the focus, not the circumstances uh, along the way. And, and really, it, the God factor is the, is the game changer. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the game changer. With all the complexity, with all the messiness, the God factor is the game changer. So single moms, that's why we offer scholarships for our youth events. Uh, and any of you, I would just encourage you with this. Why do we put on these things we do? Why did Battle of the Sexes sell out in a few days that we have in the spring? That's a focused retreat around sexuality and the challenges of technology and pornography and sexual purity if you're not familiar with it. Why? Because people need help in this area. And if you're in a blended home and maybe there's different values in the other house that they go back and forth between, you need to do whatever it takes to get them in things like Battle of the Sexes, summer camp, put them in our fall retreat where they get around other mentors and young people that are encouraging them. Why? We make it about God. We make it about the presence of God. We make it about the principles and we pull pull them away from the environment so they can encounter God. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say this to you lovingly as your pastor. Mm -hmm. If you let a concert or a fishing trip or some other event keep your child from getting in that, you're not accessing the help that can be available there. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, They will leave our house progressively more and more as they get older. And all you have is that they have their own personal conviction and relationship with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to, look, I don't want you to feel condemned. You may have messed up a bunch of stuff. We're on your team. We're here to help you. And you can have wins if you'll continue to hold up God's standard. It's
0: really good. Okay, Brandy, this next one is for you. We talked about it a little bit but we can't talk about family and marriage without talking about conflicts, disagreements, or in other words, fighting. In fact, there's a uh, influential study from the late 90s that says that you can, you can predict the viability of a marriage relationship to 94% based on the way that they fight, sure. which is fascinating. So here's the question. How do healthy couples do this differently?
2: Well, uh, it's tricky, because we all have emotions that rise up in us, right? We all have that little fight in us. And I was teasing, I didn't really stand there and taunt him with the air conditioner <laughs> pushing it, but I have fight in me, I know. Like, sure. you know, I was raised an only child, very independent, and I have a little, yeah. I'm a surprise to you as I say yeah. this, yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: But are um, powerful, you're strong.
2: <laughs> but we all, A decision to make. If you say, Well, I'm in a bit, I'm strong, yeah, then great. You have a decision to make. And so you get to be in charge of this decision. You have that split second moment before that comes out of your mouth to decide what you're gonna do with it. Mm -hmm. You're either gonna swallow it or you're gonna spit it out. And when you do, you gotta be ready for the consequences of what that's gonna look like. And I think healthy couples, if you really want to fight well or fight fair is you have more of a filter of what you actually allow to come out of your mouth. Is this gonna be fruitful? Is this gonna lead to resolution? Is this gonna be something that we can actually have time to talk about right now and work through this? Mm. Um, You know, one time, Jeff was on the phone with somebody else, it always works if he's telling somebody else something and I actually happen to just hear it on the side. (laughs) You don't ever tell your wife this right in the middle of a fight, you know, but um, I heard him talking and he said, you know, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. And I thought, that's really good, I'm gonna file that away. Mm-hmm. So, when we're in a conflict, you know, so many times you have so many emotions rising up and what you wanna do is get your words out, what you have to say. So, you're just sitting there and you're just like, you're not even listening to what they're saying because you're ready to say what you want them to hear. Mm-hmm. So, you're trying to just, ha, ah, and then he's trying to say it and everybody's trying to say what they want heard. But this is all theory. Hearing. All yeah. theory, <laughs> oh, we wouldn't know just what we heard. So, um, So, really the the principle there of seek to understand what they're actually trying to say to you before you seek to be understood is so helpful. Because if I actually listen with listening ears and say, okay, this is what you're saying to me, then I can say, oh, so when I said that, I really didn't mean it the way that you took it, but I didn't understand that it made you feel that way. So you know what, how about this? I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. we don't have to fight it out every time. You don't have to say, well, no, he just took me wrong. And he just, that's his fault. That's not my fault. Go first. Say you're sorry. Apologize. I mean, that diffuses a lot. And you mm-hmm. have and people say it's weak to apologize. Actually, mm-hmm. apologizing is one of the hardest things you can do. So I'd say it's a very strong thing to go first and say, you know what? I'm gonna choose to stop this now. I'm gonna go first and I'm gonna say, I'm sorry. You know, the Bible says in James 3:16, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Another version says where strife and envy exist, there'll be disorder in every evil work. And Jeff and I learned early on in our marriage that when you choose to just fight it out, Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're opening the door and saying, come on in, Satan. Come and rule and reign in this moment. Come and rule and reign in this house. And I don't know about you, but we already have the enemy fighting against us. Last thing I wanna do is invite him in and have have him sit down and have a cup of coffee. Mm you know, and, and rain in our house. So, we have a choice to make. We can squash that, and, but we have, to, we have to choose to do that. Um, so, how do you do it? You have to make a conscious decision to do it differently. I don't think any of us start engaging in fighting it out, and afterwards we think, man, I'm so glad I said all those hateful things. <laughs> yeah. I feel so good about myself right now. That's gonna be really fruitful. <laughs> or, I'm so glad I've been nagging my husband like crazy. We're so intimate now that I've just been (laughs) nagging the fool out of him, right? This works so well. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he'd rather go live on the corner of a roof than live with the wife that nags him all the time. Mm. So if you want your husband to live with you in a peaceful way, then change the way you're doing things. And that means we say, well, what about him? You can't make him change. The only thing you can change is you. But I find that when I change the way I respond, it's amazing how he decides to start responding differently. I remember we first got married, I didn't believe in going to bed on your anger. I believed in staying up all night and finding it out. <laughs> but I knew that if I wanted to be 20 years down the road and living a life that I loved and being happily married, that I was gonna have to change something, whether or not He ever changed. So I decided I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna start learning how to do things differently. I'm gonna respond differently. And it's amazing how when you follow God's principles and practices, it's amazing how you will see when you're not chirping in their ear, God starts speaking to them, and you'll start seeing that change in them. But go first, be the change you wanna see.
0: I think that's so good. The Bible says that it's to, our, to a man or a woman's honor to overlook offense, and it's hard to do it in the marriage relationship, but really powerful when you do. Okay, Pastor Jeff, we've gotten um, a lot of questions, and we spent a lot of the last couple weeks talking about parenting, but there's a reason because people have lots of questions. Here's another one we got from multiple places. Here's what they wanna know. What is the most crucial skill for the infant toddler years? It's a great question. It's one that I really care about because
1: those years are so, so critical. Um, If you haven't had a chance uh, and didn't get a chance to be here, then last week I talked about teenagers and I actually did an interview with teenagers. And so uh, we're a church family of people at all stages, all walks of life older, empty nester, people in all different stages, but we all need to help these young couples, Mm -hmm. all of us, and so as as many of you that have been around here for a while, when we have baby dedication, we've got the thing down, be fruitful and multiply, are (laughs) y'all with me, okay? So there's lots of young families in our church, and the truth is the culture's not giving them God's perspective. And if you're in that category, like a young family that I just talked to this weekend, they're like, Pastor, we want help. They got that little baby. It's amazing when you get that little baby, you start going, hey, I wanna know what God thinks about it. Mm -hmm. And I wanna talk to some of you, again, that maybe are entering that phase or in that phase. It's very important that you don't accept the cultural lie that your main job is to find your security and affirmation in them. Oh, they're the apple of your eye. And you just love it when they're cuddly and they're hugging. and and when they're asleep and. (laughs) But let me just tell you, if you set them up as the center of the universe, you will make them feel unsafe, you will make them feel insecure, you will ultimately lead them to a place where it's very hard for them to function in what God's called them to do. It's a very critical season here that includes discipline. We tend to get the affirmation, we tend to get the negotiation, but let me tell you, if you're negotiating with your two-year-old you're setting them up for great problems later. Mm-hmm. You're willing to pull your hair out. You're willing to bargain. You're willing to negotiate. Their boss, their coach, their friends, their future spouse, maybe not, mm-hmm. maybe not. So go, my, kids, you know, I, my kid became a brat. No, you trained them to be a brat because you let them run your house when they were two. And you have to, I tell parents all the time, I say, you like your kids? They go, oh, absolutely. I go, does anybody else like your kids? (laughs) (laughs) And discipline is part of that season. And it takes energy. It does. And it takes effort. And it takes intentionality. And they will pout. And they will throw a fit. And they will. But you know what you're teaching them? Correction doesn't equal rejection. Right. Right. And you wanna be the one to teach them about discipline because you love them. You don't want them to have to learn it from people who don't love them. Right. And guess what? You don't ever outgrow that either. The same way you don't outgrow sexual temptation and sexual character, you don't outgrow the need for discipline. In fact, that's how God relates to us. I have to receive corrective words from people, but I would much rather receive them from authorities and elders and people and my pastor. I'd rather receive it from people who love me Mm -hmm. than people who don't love me. So if you love your child, I thought I'd make it, uh, I I wanna give you the message paraphrase, just because I like the way it it verbalizes this because this is in Hebrews 12. It's about our relationship with God, really, because that's what you're doing in this early phase. You're training their perspective of God. Mm -hmm. You're saying mom, dad, sibling, everybody in this house, we are under the authority of God. Mm -hmm. You are not God, two year old. Mm -hmm. You are not God. I know you think you are, but you're not God. Okay, we're training that. Look what it says in Hebrews 12. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. We don't be crushed by it either. Remember, we're not trying to break their personality. We, we love the strength of their character. We love their honesty. We love all of that. But what we are trying to do is deal with the rebellion. Because yeah. rebellion is as witchcraft that will ultimately destroy their future. Look what it says here. Don't be crushed by it. One version of, in the Bible also it talks about that they will not die. Mm-hmm. Look what it says. It's the child that that he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. Let me talk to some of you young families. Don't give them everything they want. Mm -hmm. Don't negotiate with them. Love them, value them, affirm them. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your time with them, because it goes by fast. Mm -hmm. But shape their little heart to understand God's the head of this house, God's the authority, and teach them about that. And
0: it's a stewardship that you have in that season. Don't miss that window great, it's really good. Well, we're almost out of time. I wanna move if we can to get a few more of these, a little bit of a speed round here. I'll start okay. with you, Brandy. How do I honor my husband if he's an unbeliever?
2: Yeah, we get that question a lot and it, you just do. <laughs> you just do, you love yeah. him. The Bible says in First Peter 3, 1, wives in the same way submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without a word just by the behavior of their wife. What does that mean? Just by you living for God, loving Him, honoring Him, instead of saying, you're not this and you're never gonna be, and yeah, you just say, I'm so glad that I married you. I love you, you're a, you're a good man. And, um, and when you start speaking those words of affirmation to them and just by the, your behavior, and just by loving well, and creating those environments that we talked about, that the Bible says they can be won over without a word just by your loving behavior. So. That's really
1: good. And there's obviously times where there's abuse and the Bible gives allowances for separation and divorce. Sure. In general though, um, the Bible says very clearly that you can win them by your behavior. So. That's good. Right. Pastor
0: Jeff, Why is it so important for men to be engaged spiritually?
1: I think we've seen it all weekend. I don't know if you guys understand this, it's not common to have multiple men get into a baptismal tank Mm -hmm. and say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. The reason the enemy fights that is the Bible says, when the man does that and takes the lead, the whole household is saved. And so I wanna encourage you as men, you set that tone and I know you feel inadequate, But spiritual maturity in the Bible is not by who knows the most. In fact, the Bible leans on spiritual maturity being how a man runs his household and walks out his spirituality. I was talking with a guy the other day, because men tend to wanna be moved toward what they feel successful at. And I said, look, it's not about your business. It's not about your projects, your hobbies. This is where God wants you to focus. And I was looking for some way to motivate him. I said, do you have anything you're praying about? He said, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying for this rebellious kid and college money and this and that. I said, well, did you know the Bible ties your relationship with your wife to your prayers? Pastor, I didn't know that. He said, I was gonna get you to pray, you know, you're like a priest, you know, you got a hotline to God. No, 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 I'm gonna teach you how to pray. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says, when you live with your wife in an understanding way, do it so that your prayers won't be hindered. Did you know, by loving and serving my wife, if we thought, you know what, it can affect my prayers and how high they get past our ceiling in our house. So
0: it's a really big deal, guys, and we believe in you and you can do it. That's great. Brandy, here's a question. What do I do if my kids don't wanna go to church? If I force them, will it turn them against God?
2: So if my kids already don't wanna go to church, if I force them, will it turn them against God? Well, I mean, I think what you're saying is they already don't love God, so what do you got to lose? <laughs> just bring them, drag them, get them in an environment where they can experience the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, yeah. and just see that if God doesn't touch them, it may not be immediate, it may not be right away, but again, after, if you come and you get in that environment long enough, I really think you'll see that God will move on their heart and, um, and, and do something you know amazing, so great. might as well try.
0: It's really good. Pastor Jeff, here's a great one to end on. Uh, We're struggling. What are the two most important things you could tell us?
1: Well, well, if you're struggling or you're really wanting to move forward, I'm gonna pray for you um, because that's a common question. I mean, we give you a lot of principles and scriptures and people are just like, I I just need help, Mm -hmm. okay? Well, if I had to just sum it up in two things, it's really very simple. You need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your personal life and you need more of it in your home. Mm -hmm. You need God. So you've tried everything else, try God. Try getting closer to him and letting him change you. Try letting God get involved in the relationships in your home. I mean, God designed it. And God, I don't know if any of you have really realized this. I realized it early as a pastor. I realized it early as a husband. And I have to be reminded of it often. I can't change people. Mm -hmm. I'm a persuasive person, so I feel like I can sometimes. I can't change anyone. You can't change your teenager. But let me tell you, God can, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit can full on arrest them. Did you see this testimony video from this weekend? We should all share that. What a picture mm-hmm. of a guy who says, wife says, just come two weeks. And he said he had an allergic reaction or something. <laughs> him, and that's pretty crazy, you know? That's God, mm-hmm. God arrested him. Mm-hmm. And so you need God, you need more of Jesus. You need more openness to the power of the Holy Spirit. And the second thing is you gotta get outside of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta let that, power of the Holy Spirit who is your advantage. Jesus said, I'm leaving, I'm giving you an advantage. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you the power to do this. I'm giving the ability for you to be guided into truth. Let it change you so you get outside of you. I know you have hurt. I know you have missed expectations. And give love to these people around you in the way they need it. That's what I would tell you, okay? Let me pray for you. Let's all bow our heads. Father, I pray right now for someone in trouble in their marriage relationships, their relationships with their kids. I pray for people that are struggling. Lord, we look at your word, we learn from it, we get principles, but ultimately, we need you to even live those principles. And so God, I'm asking you to show up, do what only you can do in marriages, and in relationships, in the family, in the home. Lord, we hold up your standard in our generation. In a generation that wants to destroy your standard, we lift it higher. We trust you with these relationships. We trust your wisdom. We trust your insight. Father, I pray you'd help all of us to take a step this week toward what we say we value in a powerful way. And you're gonna help us do it. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.